Cinderella is, according to Rotten Tomatoes, the eighth best Disney movie ever. It's ingrained in society from Disney to college basketball, and almost everyone knows the story. What you might not know, however, is that there are over 500 versions of Cinderella found just in Europe. The one I'm telling today is from the Grimm Brothers collection, which came out about 100 years after Christopher Perrault's version, which is what Disney made their adaptation on. Perrault had a more magic and pumpkins kind of feeling, while the Grimm Brothers' tale is more dark and, pun absolutely intended, grim. The first story that starts to look like the Cinderella we all know today came in the 1600s, called Cenerentola. Perrault wrote his version of the story about a half century later, and finally, the Grimm Brothers, as we have already mentioned. Versions of the story have popped up in China and Greece from time to time through history, but they only have the major plot points in common. The story is a longer one, much longer than last week. So without further ado, here's the story of Cinderella. Enjoy! Stay gold, pony boy, stay gold, muttered a poor dying soul. No, 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 don't worry, you're still on the Cinderella episode, not the Outsiders. It was storming outside, heavy, large raindrops like tears and thunder, booming as if it were crying out in sadness. A little girl was leaning over an ornate bed, but none of the tassels or elaborate pillows concerned her. Her dying mother's feeble face was more important. Stay gold, pony boy, she muttered again. I love you, and I will watch over you. Pray to God, and he will protect you. Cinderella was barely able to respond with an I love you through her streaming tears before the mother took her final breath. Cinderella spent the rest of the night and the next morning being consoled by and consoling her father, who was just as heartbroken. They were extremely rich, living in a large estate with many servants. Their life was good. Cinderella got along with all the servants, even if the lack of other children made her lonely at times. She had no siblings to play with, so she relied on talking to the paintings and maids. It was still late summer, so the ground was warm enough to dig a grave behind that large house. Cinderella watched the big burly men dig as she clutched at a stuffed bear that had been given to her by her mother. With little to do, Cinderella went to the grave three times a day, talking and laughing with her mother, but mostly crying. She remained a good and sweet girl, just like her mother had requested. She still went to the grave three times a day through the fall and winter and when the snow was driving down on her. Finally, when the buds began to grow back on the trees, the faithful father fell in love with a new woman. Their wedding was very soon after, and the stepmother brought back two stepdaughters along with her after the ceremony. They each picked a luxurious bedroom for the hallway next to Cinderella's, and everyone settled in. The father seemed blind to what Cinderella obviously saw as a cruel woman only marrying her father for wealth and power. The sweet man was still heartbroken and did not see this, even as the stepdaughters and stepmothers scolded and made fun of her daily. The Grimm brothers wrote that they were all pretty but had evil in their hearts. One day, all the girls in the house were sitting around the parlor, talking, painting, and playing the piano. Cinderella had been silent all morning, but when one stepdaughter said, I wonder when our father will return home. Cinderella spoke up. He told me he'll be home the day after tomorrow. Even without looking in the direction of Cinderella, the stepdaughter turned to the stepmother and said, and I quote from the story, why should that stupid goose sit in the parlor with us? Cinderella immediately left just to hear all three laughing at her as she went and the stepmother calling, out with this kitchen maid. 
That night, the three cruel women came into Cinderella's beautiful room and began dividing up her clothes among them. Completely ignoring the outcries of the normally mild-mannered Cinderella, the stepdaughters and stepmother continued taking and dividing everything beautiful Cinderella owned. When they were all done, all that remained was a beautiful dress Cinderella was wearing, and a mattress. On the way out, the stepmother saw Cinderella wearing, for the first time, on the way out, the stepmother saw what Cinderella was wearing for the first time and barked at her daughters to take it off. After a bit of a hair-pulling match, Cinderella seated the new beautiful dress. She was left with a gray smock and a pair of heavy wooden shoes. They mocked her for days, calling out, Oh, mighty princess, where did you get those shoes? I must have them. Are they Louis Vuittons? They all cackled. Every day, they forced her to do chores from sunrise to sunset, feeding the animals, scrubbing the floors, cooking, washing, clothes, all of it. Every time one of the daughters would walk by Cinderella in her dirty smock and them in their beautiful dresses and necklaces, they would scatter the nearest thing. Whether it was a bowl of peas, a stack of books, or clothes, they would ruin it. When she was so tired every day, she would not even be allowed to sleep on her own mattress, as that was reserved for the stepmother's cat. Cinderella was to sleep by the fireplace, in all the ashes and dust from the fire all day. This is where the name Cinderella comes from. The stepdaughters and mother begin calling Cinderella as a nickname because she slept among the cinders. After months, the father was back and ready again for another trip across the countryside. This time, he was going to make an appearance at a famous festival. Before he left, he knelt down before each of his three daughters and asked each one what he should bring back for them as a present. The first stepdaughter said eagerly, a beautiful dress, father, and he gave her a big hug. He turned to the next stepdaughter, and she cried, pearls and all the jewels. He said, done, my daughter, and gave her a hug. And you, my sweet Cinderella? Cinderella was sheepish and did not want to say. After a few seconds of coaxing by her father, Cinderella quietly muttered, a twig from the first tree you brush past. A little confused, the father gave Cinderella a huge hug and promised her. Cinderella smiled quietly as the girls laughed at her. That smile soon faded as she realized her caring father would be gone for weeks and saw him riding out into the hot midday sun. At the festival, the father gathered jewels, pearls, dresses, and many more beautiful items that he would bring home to his family. On the way home, he decided to take a different, longer way home because he had run into some trouble on the way to the festival. This way home was much more beautiful, but was more dense with thickets and bushes blocking the forgotten trail. He ran into no problems along the way, but he rode past a tree with long hanging branches. Remembering his daughter's wish, he stopped his horse and snagged off the twig that had brushed against his head. Shrugging at the strange request and putting it back in his pocket, he kept riding. Upon arriving at home, all the girls came out of their rooms and ran to the father. The stepdaughters ran right past him and towards the presents, but Cinderella went to him and gave him a big hug. Cinderella, I brought you a gift, he said, before pulling a small twig out of his pack. Cinderella was grinning ear to ear at the branch. She thanked her father and ran off towards the back of the house. Turning, the father saw two impatient stepdaughters giggling and looking at their new presents, not concerned with him in the slightest. In the back of the house, Cinderella visited her mother's grave again, as she was still making her way back to the headstone about three times a day. Cinderella dug a small pit over the grave and placed the branch inside and patted down the earth as it had been. She went back to the branch and headstone three times a day still and now cried over the twig. Over months and years, this twig grew into a beautiful tree and Cinderella grew as well. Whenever she would go to the grave and cry and pray, 
Whatever she wished for, a beautiful white bird would drop it in front of her from one of the branches. Cinderella did not know where this white bird came from, or how it knew for what she would pray, but she was extremely thankful. Her stepsisters also grew in their hatred of her, as the insults became meaner and meaner. She had become accustomed to her lifestyle of chores and backbreaking labor that she had almost forgotten about everything else she used to love. This was until the king announced a great festival that would last three days and all the young women in the kingdom were invited. This festival would find the prince's wife. The two stepsisters heard about it first and immediately became uncontrollable balls of energy, jumping and running and making too big of a mess, thought Cinderella. Although Cinderella quietly made fun of them for their excitement, she secretly wanted to go as well, but she had no clothes anymore. It's at this point in the story I'll say that I have no idea what to make of the father. He clearly loves Cinderella and cares about her, but he lets his wife and stepdaughters force her to be a slave with no bed. Several times in the story, like this one, I would expect the father to give her a dress to wear or make the girls take Cinderella with her, but he's nowhere to be found. One morning, Cinderella was barely able to awake from the fireplace when two young girls came running up to her, grabbing her by the arms. Here's your list for today. Cinderella looked down at a piece of paper thrust into her hand. It read, brush hair, shine shoes, make breakfast. The girls bounced up and down and said, today's the day where we go to the castle while you stay here and clean our rooms. Cinderella was fed up with this, so she went to her stepmother. Mother, can I go to the festival today? All the girls are going, she said as she shook the stepmother awake. The stepmother was hardly awake, but she burst out laughing at the thought of the dirty girl appearing in front of the king. <laughs> That's a good one, Cinderella. You've got too many chores to get done today, and don't forget to clean the pig pen. Cinderella begged more, and her mother said, You are all covered with dirt, girl. You can't be seen with the king. Even if you were clean, you have no shoes or clothes. Still, Cinderella begged all morning until the stepmother stepped into the kitchen and grabbed a snack. Cinderella saw the beautiful shoes in front of her where she was scrubbing and slowly looked up. Mother, mother, please may I go? She tried one more time. The stepmother sighed and looked around as if she were about to give in. Cinderella's hopes grew. Then the stepmother grabbed a bowl of beans and dumped them on the floor. If you can clean up all these in two hours, then you can come with us. Cinderella was distraught and went to the garden to clear her head. She cried out that if the beautiful bird who granted her wishes could hear her to help pick up the beans. There was no response outside of the wind rustling some leaves. She turned to go back inside and begin her task when all of a sudden a pigeon flew past her ear. Then another. Then from a window came turtle doves and eventually more birds than she could even count were in the kitchen. They began pecking and picking and cleaning, dropping the beans into the bowl swiftly. Cinderella also knelt down and collected the beans, albeit at a much slower pace. It didn't matter how slow Cinderella picked them up, though, because in just over an hour, all the legumes were back as they started. Cinderella carried the bowl happily to her stepmother, thinking now she would be allowed to go. The stepmother was startled and a little suspicious of the speed at which Cinderella was able to pick them up, so she said, no, you cannot go. You would disgrace the rest of us with your clothes and shoes and dirt. And your dancing? Oh, Lord, your dancing is worse than your father's. She shuddered just thinking about it. Cinderella began to cry intensely. Not like a cry her stepsisters did when they didn't get what they want, but real sadness. The stepmother was instantly annoyed with this little girl's crying, so she went into the kitchen, scattered two bowls of legumes across the kitchen, and turned to Cinderella. If you can pick up these bowls in less than one hour, 
I will think about the possibility of you coming with us. Cinderella thought this was impossible, even with her winged friends. She went outside still sobbing and called out the same prayer for the birds to come help her. This time, the response was faster and more birds swooped in than Cinderella had ever seen. The massive amounts of birds were too much for Cinderella to even get back into the kitchen, so she stood outside in pure awe, watching the bustling scene. It was less than half an hour before the final bean had been picked up and placed into a bowl, and all at once the birds left, singing their happy songs as they went. This time, Cinderella knew her stepmother had to let her come. She ran into the bedroom and told her she had finished. That's great, Cinderella, she said, but you still have no dress and cannot dance. We would be ashamed of you. This time, she walked right past Cinderella, grabbed her daughter's hands, and walked out the door. Cinderella was even more distraught than before, and she went to her mother's grave to pray and cry. She hugged the trunk of the tree and prayed for a dress and shoes so that she could go to the ball. She closed her eyes tight in an attempt to hold back the tears, but it did not work. She heard the fluttering of wings and opened her eyes to see a beautiful dress made of silver and shoes made of gold. She quickly grabbed the dress and shoes and ran inside. Inside, since the stepmother was gone, Cinderella was able to sneak into her bedroom and take a quick bath, washing the soot and dirt from her body for the first time in months. She barely had time to register this freeing feeling before jumping out and drying off. She ran down the stairs in a hurry, carrying her shoes in one hand. She found the strength she did not know she had running to the castle. Her lungs didn't even seem to burn as she ran further than she ever had. Somehow, she was not breathing heavily, hardly at all, when she arrived at the palace gates and passed the guards. There were hundreds of girls and women standing around, chatting, and then there was him. The prince was in a fancy suit, and he was dashing. Cinderella noticed the stepdaughters both close to him and closing in. They wanted to charm him and woo him into making them a princess. Just when the two reached the prince, there was a movement of people, almost as if the stars were aligning. Heads moving and people shifting in such a way that made the prince and Cinderella lock eyes. The daughters tried to start a conversation with him eagerly and as sweetly as they could muster, but it was clear it was falling on deaf ears. Both Cinderella and the prince had their eyes locked, and the prince began pushing past countless beautiful women to get to her. The stepdaughters were insulted and turned to see who had gotten the prince's attention, and they saw Cinderella. There was no big oh-no moment between the sisters now, because neither of them recognized her without the soot and the dirt and grime covering her. In a sea of jewels and beauty, your eyes are the purest and most beautiful, the prince said as he held out a hand to Cinderella. The sheepish Cinderella had never heard anyone say anything like this to her, so she blushed. They hit it off from there, and eventually Cinderella opened up, talking more, talking to him. They laughed, ate, and danced all night. Every time another girl, specifically the stepdaughters who were flinging themselves at the prince all night, were to come up to him, the prince would calmly respond, I am sorry, but she is my dance partner. When the party was winding down and people began to go home, Cinderella thought it was her time to go as well. The prince offered to walk her home and see her safe, but also see, and I quote from the text, to see to whom the beautiful girl belonged. Gross. Ugh. Cinderella tried to get away, however, and dodged his questions, eventually slipping into the crowd. The prince had just seen a flash of the golden shoes through the crowd jump into the coop, so he waited. Finally, the father showed up at the end of the night to see his girls and the prince, and he approached the prince. How was the night? he asked harmlessly. 
The prince responded with a story right out of a rom-com, until the part she had jumped into a pigeon coop. He offered to crack it open, and the prince was delighted. The father found the tools to open the coop and walked over to do so. The prince held his breath. The father peeked inside and was confused, then started to laugh. The prince was irritated and ran up to the coop, but there was no one inside. Back at the house, Cinderella was lying at the hearth in her dirty clothes, catching her breath. She had narrowly beaten the stepmother and daughter's home and made it to the garden. It was there she told her mom quickly what had happened as she undressed, placing the dress and shoes at the grave under the hazel tree. She had climbed back in through the kitchen window, that was always Cinderella's escape hatch from the house, and laid down by the hearth. All that exercise and excitement had worn her out, and she was asleep within minutes. She would have liked to hear the howling and jealousy coming from the stepsisters all night had she been awake, but her dreams were much more satisfying. The next day, Cinderella woke up to the sounds of the stepdaughters getting ready for the next day of the festival. After laying low for most of the morning, Cinderella got up once the door had shut and the tornado of perfumes and whining had left. She jumped out of bed and went right to the grave. Sitting next to the grave, she again prayed for something beautiful to wear to the ball. The bird who always granted her wishes dropped a new dress of gold down at her feet and new shoes as well. The dress was much nicer than the one yesterday had been. She quickly got ready and headed off to the ball. When she arrived this time, everyone parted. All the girls knew that this dress was the most beautiful, and everyone wondered who this mysterious girl was. The prince recognized her immediately, and they picked up right where they had left off, chatting and dancing and getting to know each other. This went on for hours, and every once in a while a girl would come up and try to dance with the prince. He would kindly decline the offer, saying, I already have my dancing partner. At the end of the night, the two said goodbye to each other, but the prince kept watching. He wanted to follow her to figure out who she was. Cinderella tried to disappear into the crowd of talking girls and climbed into a tree. This tree was in the front garden of the castle, and the prince was just able to see a flash of her gold dress climb up the branches. He went to find one of his attendants to cut down the tree to see who the girl was, but when the tree was toppled, scaring more than a few squirrels, there was no human among the branches. The prince was frustrated with his men and the girl, and he wondered who she was. Back at home, Cinderella was putting on her gray smock, just as she had done the night before, and was lying in the dirt and ashes. The next day was a lot like the previous two, but this day would be the final day of the ball. The prince sat in the castle, devising a plan. When Cinderella showed up to the ball this time, it was the most magnificent dress anyone had ever seen. Everyone at the ball wanted to wear the dress, but the prince only saw the girl he had fallen for the last two nights. This time went even better than the last two nights. They talked and laughed more than either of the previous nights, and at the end, the prince got serious and asked, Who are you? Where can I find you to make you a princess? Cinderella turned and ran away from him in a full sprint and went down a large flight of stairs. This time, the prince did not chase her because he had put heavy glue on the stairs as a trap to try and catch her. To his surprise, it did not catch her, but instead kept one of her shoes stuck as she booked it away. The prince went and got the golden shoe and gave it to one of the assistants and said, No one shall be my wife except for the one who fits this golden shoe. Now the prince was making his way across the countryside looking for the girl to fit his shoe, and eventually he made it to the house that Cinderella lived in. The stepdaughters were excited. 
They just knew that their feet would fit perfectly and they could be a princess. Cinderella heard none of this. Instead, she was forced to clean the bathroom as a part of her morning chores. Downstairs, the first stepdaughter greedily grabbed the shoe and went upstairs, but her feet were far too big. The stepmother came into the room and saw the problem, then handed her daughter a knife, telling her to cut off her toes. The pain you feel will be nothing compared to when you are a princess, she said. Downstairs, the stepmother talked loudly to the prince to cover up the sounds of the screaming upstairs. The daughter came down limping, but the shoe was on. The prince was overjoyed, although he didn't remember her looking exactly like this. They kissed and got into their wagon to go back to the castle. From the beginning, the prince could tell something was off with the girl. She didn't know any of their inside jokes, couldn't remember any of the simplest things about him, or anything they had discussed. His suspicions were confirmed when two pigeons cried, Rook-de-goo, rook-de-goo, there's blood in the shoe, the shoe's too tight, the bride is not right. He looked down to see blood gushing out of the shoe and all over her dress. They went back to the house. <laughs> this time, the other daughter's toes could fit into the shoe just fine, but her heel was too large to fit. The stepmother did what she had done the last time and told her daughter to cut off a part of her heel, saying, The pain you feel will be nothing when you are princess. So again, the limping daughter went downstairs and the wagon went away. This time was better, but the prince was still sad that his new wife did not remember their conversations they had several nights at the ball. When they passed the same tree this time, the same two birds called out, Rook-de-goo, rook-de-goo, there's blood in the shoe, the shoe's too tight, the bride is not right. The prince became angry. He went back to the house in a rage and asked if there were any other girls in the house. The stepmother answered that there was, but she could not be the bride. She is far too dirty and ugly to be your bride, said the mother, but the prince insisted. Cinderella was confused as her stepmother dragged her by the arm into the parlor, but when she entered, she saw the prince and her heart stopped. The prince, not to be tricked this time, had Cinderella sit in a chair as he placed the shoe on her and saw it fit perfectly. He looked up at her face. Although it was shades darker with all of the soot and ash, he knew it was her. They rode away together in the carriage, talking and laughing as they had for those three nights. When they passed the tree with the two birds, they sang out a new song. There's no blood in the shoe. The shoe's not too tight. The bride is right. They landed on Cinderella's shoulders as they rode the rest of the way to the castle. Weeks later at the wedding, the stepsisters came to gain favor with Cinderella now that she was princess. As the couple walked into the church, the stepsisters, who were begrudgingly given the title of bridesmaids, walked on the left and right of Cinderella. About halfway down the aisle, the two birds from earlier swooped in and poked out an eye from each of the stepsisters. This sent them screaming away to their mother. This was a big commotion, but eventually the ceremony happened and the two were wed. Later at the reception, the stepsisters were nursing their eyes as well as their glasses of wine when the birds swooped in and pecked out the other eye from the sisters. Cinderella turned around and tried to hold back her laughter at the horrible sight. Cinderella was not a cruel girl, but seeing her bullies run around waving their arms in front of the most powerful people in the land did amuse her. This story ends with a happily ever after of the prince and princess getting married for the rest of their lives happily, and the stepsisters being cursed with blindness for the rest of theirs. That's the end of the story for this week. It was a fun one to write, and much different from what I remember of the movie. <laughs> there were a lot of plot holes that I mentioned in the story, like the father being weirdly absent, and in the original, no one reacting to the bridesmaids having birds attack their eyes. 
Cinderella is one of the most classic stories ever, so even the smallest variation can seem weird. Understandably, the part of the story about cutting various parts of the stepdaughter's feet did not make it into any subsequent adaptations, and that detail seems very harsh even for the time. In the future, I may revisit Cinderella, telling other stories from Peralt and the version from the collection of stories before him, just to show the differences. I hope you all enjoyed the story this week, and if you did, don't forget to subscribe to never miss an episode, and follow us on social media to stay updated. Links are below. See you all next week. Thanks for listening.